hot steps into the national headlines and last-minute campaigning now underway. We bring you the races and trends to watch on election night. We are anticipating kind of an unprecedented record-breaking voter participation rate for our August primary. Those stories and the rest of the week's most impactful, confusing and befuddling local news stories straight ahead. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, RSM, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Nick Haynes. It is great to have you with us as we dissect the week's biggest local news stories and all in less time than it takes for a pizza to be delivered to your front door. It's a busy week and rolling up their sleeves to pick apart what's been happening and why it matters. Pete Mundo from KCMO Talk Radio, Channel 9 Chief Political Analyst Michael Mahoney, the head of the Call newspaper, Eric Wesson, and from the pages of your Kansas City star, Dave Helling. Josh Hawley isn't even on the ballot this year, yet he's getting more national news coverage than any other local politician or candidate. The Republican Missouri senator is still getting prodded and poked over a video showing him racing out of the Capitol building after it was stormed on January 6th. The short clip was shown in a primetime television congressional hearing probing what happened that day. We've seen everyone from Stephen Colbert to T-shirt maker Reagan weigh in. Look at him go! Jim, can we play that back with the audio turned up? That is the gait of a man who's either just gassed up an insurrection that's now bearing down on top of him, or just drank a large iced coffee 45 minutes ago. <laughs> either way, those legs scream, I've made a huge mistake. I don't regret anything I did on that day. And, uh, you know, it's a privilege to be attacked by the January 6th committee. And I want to thank, say thank you for uh, all the help with my fundraising. It's been tremendous. We knew that it did bring in more money with the fist bump. He was making a lot of revenue. We saw that in the campaign funds coming in, Michael. But what about the running away at the Capitol? Did, is that going to hurt him? Not in the state of Missouri. He is the most popular Republican politician in the state, maybe the most popular politician in this. If he were on the ballot next Tuesday, he'd win by double digits. If he were on the ballot in, in November, he'd win by double digits. Now, where there is potential damage is it probably puts a big crimp in any sort of discussion that Josh Hawley and his supporters had about a, a presidential run in 24. Why would it make because, a difference if he was so popular in Missouri? Because, uh, Mr. Haynes, the fact is <laughs> that is a red made attack spot from anybody running in a primary campaign against a potential you're presidential shaking candidate. Your head about because it. you can't use it in a Republican primary attack ad because then you're giving credibility to the January 6th committee, which everyone has said is discredited in a kangaroo court. The reason Josh Hawley is not going to run for president is because he's polling at about 2% in most polls in 2024. So he's going to wait. And I Josh believe that's Hawley why. Josh Hawley doesn't stand up to, uh, to the protesters. Josh Hawley won't stand up to China. Boom. <laughs> There's a spot. <laughs> if it was so damaging to Josh Hawley, why would he be out this week in Kansas City and also on Pete's program with Vicki Hartzler. She obviously feels that he's still an asset than a liability. Right, and Mike says he's the most popular Republican in Missouri. We'll find out Tuesday he endorsed Vicki Hartzler. If she doesn't win, perhaps a little bit of tarnish mm -hmm. is on that no, brass no. in terms of endorsements. Uh, but he is right that the, this is about the presidential race, not necessarily just in 24, but in 28 and beyond. Pete's right that it doesn't show up in a primary commercial, but it doesn't matter. Electability will be an issue for lots of Republican voters. And those images, and, and let's stress this, Nick, those images, those pictures, 
uh, are more important than the 10,000 words that I've written about Josh Hawley or that we've all written about him. Those pictures will last for years and I do think has, have caused some damage to his presidential aspect. And 10,000 words from Dave Helling is still not sufficient until we've heard Eric Weston weigh in. <laughs> and, and, and even though Mike says that and even though he's got uh, the attention of a lot of people, I just don't understand why. And I, and I guess my thing is asking those people why they think that he's this great guy because I went through and looked at the bills that he's introduced and the things that he's done. He hasn't done anything specifically for Missouri and remind you now, this is the same guy that just said he doesn't know if a woman is a woman if she can't reproduce. That means if she's had a hysterectomy or she's had something done because of cancer to her reproductive system, he doesn't know if she's a woman and he said that not once but twice. You know, it's amazing that just before this election in, in Kansas City uh, on Tuesday, Pete, that Josh Hawley is the character that we're hearing more about than anybody else right now. We do have on the Missouri side this U.S. Senate race going on. We were told that this week was going to be the week that Donald Trump, the former president, was going to endorse in that U.S. Senate race. What happened? I think the president is very is in a very difficult spot. I think he wants to endorse Eric Greitens. We know that his future daughter-in-law, his son, Donald Trump Jr., Kimberly Guilfoyle, are in the Greitens camp. But I think he sees that there is a, that is the candidate that Democrats may want to go up against, and he does not want a loss on his record. I think for President Trump, that's a lot of it. He does not want that loss on his record. He puts a lot of value in these endorsements. He likes to win them. He likes to say his record is what it is on endorsements. And I think he's right now wondering if it's better to stay out of this Missouri U.S. Senate primary. The fact that uh, Greitens has now fallen to third place in three different polls that came out this week may also be part of the reluctance of Donald Trump to get behind Eric Greitens. Republicans are getting all the attention, but there is a Democratic primary, too, who would the likely Republican nominee most fear in that Democratic primary of facing in this general uh, election? I don't, I don't think that the victor in the Republican primary will greatly fear any of the Democrats just because of trends in Missouri. Lucas Kuntz has run a good campaign. Uh, he's he's uh, a been Marine. visible. He's, yep. a, he's had ads. I mean, he's not, he's not a joke candidate. Uh, Trudy Bush Valentine has not electrified the Democratic a base and it, by any means she's got money she's got more money to spend uh, if Eric Schmidt is the nominee then I think it's basically over as far as Democrats would be concerned if it is Eric Greitens then I do think there'll be an effort to compete against him uh, one other quick thing about Trump if I could throw this in Nick Trump's anti-endorsement of Vicki Hartzler has played yes. a role in this yep. race yeah. I think she was ascending and maybe a favorite two or three weeks ago in his decision to say, in essence, yeah. I'm not endorsing her, while not the same as an actual endorsement did. Uh, but could her, you know, I mentioned Josh Hawley was getting more <laughs> national headlines than anyone else around here this week, with perhaps the possible exception of this man. Buck O'Neill officially enshrined this week at the National Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. CBS Sunday morning flying into town to tell the legendary Kansas City ball player's story, how Major League Baseball rebuffed him when he was alive. And what he might have said and done if he was alive today to deliver his Hall of Fame speech. The greatest thing, the greatest thing in, all my life in all my life is loving you. <laughs> Thank you, folks. Thank you, folks. Thank you, folks. Thank you, folks.
Eric, is that what Buck would have done if he could have been around this week? Yeah, he would, he would have done something similar to that. Uh, he was a great guy. He was, you know, I never known him to have a grudge or say anything really negative about anybody. So I believe that's what he would have said and done. He would have told Satchel Page stories. He would have told uh, yarns from the from the Negro Leagues, and he probably would have reprised that. That was from a, uh, a Hall of Fame appearance, I believe, in 2006, when a number of Negro Leaguers were going in, and he uh, he spoke on their behalf. It was way overdue. It should have happened during his lifetime, as I said in the, said in the past. But at least he's there. What a shot in the arm it does for Negro Leagues baseball and our museum. I believe so. I, I think it does. It, gives them a tremendous second win as they come in to try to, you know, build another facility and uh, finish the Buck O'Neill Education Museum. Well, final campaigning is now underway on both sides of state line ahead of Tuesday's primary elections. That means more frightening images and more celebrities in ads trying to persuade you to cast a vote in their favor. This Eric puts rifles in his ads, and Eric Schmidt plays with a blowtorch. So I brought my chainsaw. Just kidding. A senator doesn't need props. They need guts. Hey, it's Harrison Butker, kicker for the Kansas City Chiefs. There's a lot of misinformation out there on the value them both amendment. But here's the real game plan. This amendment will let Kansans decide what we do on abortion. Join the team and vote yes. Did you see that coming, Pete? Um, did, did we see lots of Chiefs fans canceling their season tickets this week as a result of that? No, and I don't believe you will. I, I, um, I think it's one of those things that everyone knows that Harrison Butker has um, obviously been someone who has worn his faith on his sleeve. This is not a shock to people, I think, who kind of have followed his career. So uh, it is surprising, though. Anytime you get, you know, someone of that note uh, involved in something that is this split and this passionate on both sides, that's still a big deal. But, uh, you know, it's not Patrick Mahomes. It's still the punter, so it's probably going to be okay. But when we have other athletes like LeBron James or the women's uh, soccer team, national soccer team, when they weigh in on politics, people are told, you know, sh shut up, stay with what you're paid to do. Should ha Harrison Butker have done the same thing? No, I, you know, as an individual, he's entitled to uh, his opinions if he wants to express them. He's entitled to do that. I've never believed in the shut up and dribble uh, theory about, uh, about sports, whether or not it, it makes a difference. I don't know. But $13 million plus on both sides being spent on advertising and this campaign on both sides, Dave Helling. Is there anyone left to persuade in Kansas? Well, uh, not based on early turnout. I mean, I think a lot of people are casting ballots far more than anybody expected, Nick. The, the Dobbs decision, the Supreme Court decision that in essence, not in essence, actually discarded Roe v. Wade, uh, changed the uh, dynamic of this race completely. I do think that those who proposed the value them both amendment miscalculated in, to some degree that somehow they could slip this in, put in some confusing language, there would be a competitive Republican primary and only Republicans would vote. That has not turned out to be the case. Just between us here with nobody else listening, what do you think is going to happen if this passes on Tuesday of next week, Pete? A lot of lawsuits. I mean, the idea that this ends after Tuesday, either way, is just not the case. I think Pete's right that there's some litigation here. I think either the yes vote wins or the no vote wins. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that incredible insight, Eric. You know, while this Kansas abortion amendment and the Missouri U.S. Senate campaign have sucked up most of the oxygen this election, depending on where you live, you could be voting on as many as a dozen races on Tuesday. What, the, what is the race or election trend you will each be tracking? on Election Day that has been underreported during this campaign season, Pete? 
Well, I'm intrigued. Uh, Hickman Mills is, is uh, voting on a levy that uh, would increase property taxes by about $500 a year on a $200,000 property. It's, it's this very small niche um, issue, but it's one that will affect people's pocketbooks when you're riding 9% inflation. And it surprises people when they go to the polling station and see issues like that on the yeah. ballot. Michael. Uh, the Missouri 4th Republican primary uh, for Congress. Uh, this is Vicki Hartzler's seat that she's obviously giving up for the Senate run. Um, it looks to me um, like uh, it is uh, uh, Rick Bratton and Mark Alford uh, in a very, very close race right now. Dave. I'm paying attention to the Republican primary for Secretary of State in Kansas between the incumbent Scott Schwab and Mike Brown, the former Johnson County Commissioner, uh, Nick, who has uh, made some pretty aggressive and some would say outrageous claims about election security in the state, all of which Schwab has, of course, rejected. Uh, I think Schwab will win, but if it's close in any way, the whole dynamic around Calvin Hayden and the big lie and all the other stuff that's floating around the subsurface of Republican politics in Kansas may float closer to the surface. Eric, what are you watching out for on I, election night? I'm watching the uh, Missouri Senate race, and I think people that are reading our paper are watching that, too, for a number of reasons. Uh, one is we get this messaging about conservative. Who's more conservative? I'm more conservative. I'm more conservative. And people not understanding the fact that if you're elected, you're elected to represent the entire state of Missouri, not just conservatives. And I think in those messages, what we're having, what we're seeing is you don't have Hispanics in the ads or the commercials. You don't have black people in there. So are you running? Are you running for only rural Missouri and outstate Missouri? Are you running for the entire state? You also and have a lot dangerous. of equipment in that ad from, you, have, you yeah. know, flamethrowers um, to chainsaws. To tractors, uh, a Mark Offer's got a cowboy hat on. <laughs> yep. and yeah, and there's a state treasurer candidate talking to a cow the whole nine yards. Yeah. The, the one thing I want to bring up briefly is none of us mentioned the Kansas Attorney General's race that has Chris Kobach, Kelly Warren from Johnson County, Tony Mativi. That will be an interesting primary as well. And but go to the Kansas City PBS website. Now, on the ballot page, you can see the entire debate. We devoted an hour to those candidates, one of the few areas where we could get all of the candidates on stage this season. Large crowds this week at the funeral service of Daniel Vasquez. He's the North Kansas City police officer gunned down after pulling over a driver for an expired tag. Vasquez was 32 years old and had just graduated from the police academy last year. As the community mourns, Mayor Quinton Lucas weighed in by calling on the officer's attacker to be executed if he is convicted. It seemed like an uncharacteristically quick and harsh judgment from the mayor. Is that what some are calling overly compensating, having been accused of defunding police in the last 18 months? Does Lucas feel he has to overcorrect and be seen to be supporting law enforcement, even those outside of our own city? Pete. Uh Possibly. He said it on my show, so that could have been uh, maybe a little bit of knowing the audience, but uh, Missouri does have the law, and, you know, if you're not going to use um, execution for somebody who in broad daylight getting pulled over with expired temp tags, uh, with no fear at all, no reason to be fearful of anything, shoots a cop, gets out of the car, shoots him twice more and drives away, uh, then, you know what, who do you execute? You know, some of our viewers have been asking, you know, given the fact that Officer Vasquez lost his life, pulling somebody over for an expired tag, should the police, will there be any changes in policy among our area police departments about risking lives during what are very uh, minor 
what some view as traffic infractions, Michael? I don't think so, uh, but, um, you know, it sort of depends. A, a big city department like Kansas City, Missouri, uh, their officers are loaded down with lots of serious calls that they have to make, and something like an, uh, an expired temp tag probably goes away. In a town like Northtown, North Kansas City, uh, the police department have fortunately fewer crimes and can be more vigilant to the to the small areas and I am reminded by what our friend Mary Sanchez said on this program just a week ago with respect to to, to what happened to this officer and, and she said look this guy was executed uh, because he was shot once uh, by the suspect uh, coming from the car the guy's now admitted to it to it and then he, while he was on the ground uh, the officer was shot again and when Mary uh, said that that he was executed I thought that was a very vivid and accurate way to describe it. You know, all of this heightening people's concerns over crime, by the way, one national survey this week now ranks Kansas City number five in the country in homicides per capita. Kansas City coming in just behind New Orleans and Detroit while our elected leaders are still searching for a fix. Some places in the metro are now taking matters into their own hands. Did you see this story? Clear backpacks and metal detectors now being required for all middle school and high school students in the center school district. Those changes taking place as kids get ready to head back to the classroom in a few weeks. Eric, while the verdict is out on whether they work or not, the district says they polled students, staff and parents and over 70 percent of each group said they wanted the metal detectors. Yeah, they want the metal detectors uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, but I think it'll work. It'll make the kids feel a little bit safer. Here's the issue that you have within the school districts that nobody talks about, that kids come into school, they go through the metal detectors, but what they do is go outside the building by the exits and they leave the weapon. Then they go into the school and go open the door, get the weapon, and bring it in the school, and all they have going off is the fire alarm. Well, they, they, fire alarms go off so much in various schools that nobody really pays attention to it. So I think parents are more concerned about these exits in the school than they are the uh, uh, metal detectors. Isn't this making sure, though, that we are feeling like we are actually doing something rather than just sitting on our hands, even if you can get around the system, Dave? Well, right. I mean, clear backpacks, metal detectors, drills, safe rooms. But hey, let's not get rid of guns, you know, which are actually the problem in all of this guns that are in the hands of people who use them for bad purposes. We didn't even ask, for example, in the officer shooting in North Kansas City how this guy had a gun in the front seat and whether he obtained it through stealing it or putting it together. Some say it may be a so-called ghost gun, which you can assemble without registration numbers. I mean, that's one of the things you need to talk about rather than put these poor kids, in my view, uh, through these hoops over and over and over again with the pretend uh, goal of protecting them from events like Uvalde and Sandy Hook. And, other and was that a question being asked on your program this week, Pete? No, it was not. I mean, you know, Dave pointed out, and I think he maybe corrected himself indirectly, maybe not on purpose, but guns in the hands of the wrong people. The gun yeah. remains the inanimate object, but a 14-year-old walking into a school or hiding a gun can't have it anyway. So what do you do about that? How but about trying to make sure the 14-year-old doesn't have a gun? I mean, that's the problem. The, the weapon is the problem, not the color of the backpack or the amount of the metal detectors that people have to go to. Those are just efforts to make us feel better. But the reality is that people who have malevolent purposes can easily get guns. There are 400 million of them in this country, and that's what we, I think we need to be talking about. 
We're going to dip into our mailbag next. Last week, we spent a large part of our show dissecting the new Panasonic plant now coming to Kansas, and at least one ha viewer wasn't happy. Red State Liberal took Week in Review to task, saying our discussion was like a Saturday Night Live sketch. Ouch. Here's a great thing for the region. Let's immediately focus on how it'll be bad for all concerned. But rather than being too negative, is it possible we weren't being critical enough? This week, more details about the Kansas deal have been released, and one stunning detail is that the state's agreement with Panasonic doesn't require the company to create 4,000 jobs at all. Or, and in fact, neither does it create minimum wage or salary standards for the firm. Is this latest revelation taking the shine off what the governor has been touting as the biggest achievement of her four years in office, Dave? Yeah, I do think that uh, people are going to take a closer look at the agreement, which was kept secret for months, as we know, Nick, and understand that it is tilted in the direction of Panasonic and the builders out there. Another thing that I wrote about this week wasn't in our original news story. Uh, I read the agreement. There are no requirements for MBE participation in the construction uh, of that new plant, WBE. You remember at the airport, we went This is minority and women and hiring, right. huge we deal on the Kansas City months. side. And people are going to start paying attention to that and say, wait a minute, for an $800 million investment, what are we actually getting? But Republicans signed off on this as well. Shouldn't they have known Correct. better? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're just as guilty here, and they were raving about it. They were there for the ribbon cutting. They were there slapping each other on the back. And I know this senator <laughs> may not be popular with some of my colleagues, but Mike Thompson was one of the few guys saying this is a bad deal, it's screwing the taxpayer, and it's looking more and more with each passing day like he was exactly right. So the weatherman forecast that this might have been a problem on this. I, you know what? what? You call him whatever you want. I call him a, a, a concerned taxpayer that's looking at this deal and saying what Kansas basically did is the equivalent of having a girlfriend for six months backing a Porsche into the uh, driveway and saying, I love you. Speaking of big deals, we're still struggling to get the details on. As the Kansas City Chiefs reported to training camp in St. Joseph this week, top team officials were detailing the big headaches and reconstruction work necessary before Arrowhead is ready to host the World Cup in 2026. But remarkably, more than a month and a half after the big announcement, there's been radio silence about what all this is going to cost, who pays, and what other components of the big event Kansas City will be financially on the hook for. There are definitely some required um, changes that we need to make to make the pitch fit within the, within the framework of the stadium, which will involve some construction. It's construction, including thousands of seats having to be removed from Arrowhead. The mayor says stadium improvements alone would cost around $50 million. We already heard that, though, Michael. Yet still, six weeks later, we still haven't got the details of who pays on how yeah, all this works. And uh, I think collectively as reporters, we ought to be uh, uh, going after this story a hell of a lot harder than we are. Uh, uh, everybody's uh, got this glow, sort of like the Panasonic uh, story. Yeah, we've got the, got the World Cup coming, some games, uh, don't know which one. But it's time for taxpayers and the citizens of this region to find out what the hard dollars are on this, period. If you say too much, though, and be too critical, as we know from Red State Liberal, Pete, um, <laughs> you get accused of reigning on the parade. Mm -hmm. All right. Which one of you guys was Red State Liberal on Twitter? That's what I want to know. Who is, who is hiding their name? I thought it was you. Uh, uh, yeah, it was, it, you're right. It was me. You got me. Here's the thing. Um, it's fair to be critical. We should be critical. I, you know, we told $50 million. What games are we getting even? I mean, no one's, no one's asked that question. Getting a quarterfinal, yeah. a semifinal? What's, yeah, what's the deal? Know, wait, wait, quickly, we do know the Chiefs are not interested in coming up with the $50 million out of their own pocket. 
And we were told, I think all of us were told before the announcement, Mike, you could weigh in here too, that the Chiefs were sort of telling the organizers, no, we're not paying for this. You've yeah, got right. to figure out a way to do right, it. Right. And in fact, that got down to Jeff City, and so there were some politics involved. That question does need to be answered. And what about paying for all the transportation to get these tens of thousands of people to the stadium, what could be over multiple games? Did that get a whole lot more complicated this week as the man in charge of the city's transit service is ousted after six years on the job? News reports say the Metro's biggest bus leader, Robbie Mackinnon, was pressured to resign this week after more than a month of behind-the-scenes tensions, including a claim he was pushed out because he refused to divert millions in bus money to help pay for other projects at City Hall. It also doesn't help that Mackinnon is visually impaired, which made the move seem extra callous. Is there more to the story that our viewers need to know, Dave? The, the dispute was over uh, COVID money, actually, Nick. The COVID relief money poured into transit systems all over the country, including the ATA in Kansas City. And it had a ton of cash. And the city went to Robbie and said, hey, look, we need... We, remember the whole controversy about less than 500,000 people, and so we don't right. get direct money. Can you give us some of this for transportation-related things, since you're going to have as much money as you've ever had anyway? And he said, no, we need to keep it all. That caused the fist fight, and uh, that's why he was forced But isn't out. this absolutely terrible timing, though, when we're heading into a World Cup, when we're going to be needing to have a very strategic vision for how we're going to be moving people around, Eric? Yeah, it, it is bad timing. But in, in addition to what Dave said, it was alleged that he sent a letter to the feds saying that this is what the city was trying to do, strong arm him out, strong arm him out of the money. And some yeah, people and raised some eyebrows Nick, about yeah, that. He was also very interested in development, using the ATA as a development vehicle for yes. new buildings and downtown baseball. He was in the middle of yeah. those discussions. And that rubbed people the wrong way. You know, the bus system is the bus system. Make that work and let the EDC and the Port Authority and other folks work on development. Yeah, and that was part of the problem. Some of it was uh, Mackin was, was uh, seeing the bus service uh, and bus transportation in a much broader uh, uh, scope than just simply schlepping people from and one spot got, to the and, other. And he got free buses in Kansas City, right. which we supported, which I th right. still think is a great idea, and he deserves credit for that. Did you realize that who runs the bus service would lead to such an animated debate on this program <laughs> with all of the other things we've got going on? That, on that, though, we will say our week has been reviewed. Thanks to Channel Lines, Michael Mahoney and Dave Helling of your Kansas City Star. Six to ten weekdays on KCMO Talk Radio, Pete Mundo, and always on call uh, from the Kansas City Call newspaper, Eric Wesson. And I'm Nick Haynes. Next week, we'll pick apart what you told us at the ballot box, a full breakdown of what happened, why, and what now. We'll see you then from all of us here at Kansas City PBS. Be well, keep calm, and carry on.